If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 1. I want to begin a series that will last through Christmas, the next four weeks, on the reason for the season. Today I want to take a look at Mary's words as she said to the angel Gabriel when he came to her with the words that she would be with child and that she would bring forth the long-awaited Messiah. As troubling as those words may have been, her response was, be it unto me. You know, one of, one of, if probably not my favorite Christmas song, is one by Mark Lowry that's entitled, Mary, Did You Know? That is one of the greatest songs ever written, I think, as far as Christmas time. In that song, many questions are asked, and it causes one to ponder with the questions that is asked in that song, did Mary truly know the future and the significance of the child that she was carrying? You know, some of the questions in the song are like, it goes like this, and I know you've heard the song. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our son? And our daughters. Did you know that your baby boy come to make you new? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hands? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? Mary, did you know that your baby boy, he is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? These are all questions that probably, you know, went through Mary's mind. You know, we sometimes wonder if Mary truly realized the power and the authority and the majesty that she cradled in her arms that first Christmas morning. You know, she had just given birth to the very one who created her and the fullness of the Godhead. But did she really know that this child was who he truly was and what he would become? You know, though Isaiah prophesied of Jesus' death in Isaiah 52, 14, when he made these, uh, this prophecy, but many were amazed when they saw his face. Now, this is talking about at the crucifixion of Jesus. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. Did this young mother really understand the beatings that her son would go through in just a short 33 years? Did this young mother really understand that this promised son that, that she would bear would suffer a cruel crucifixion on a cross on Golgotha? Did she really understand that the, the pain and the agony, as she sat there, you mothers can probably relate to this, as she sat there holding that child in her arms that first Christmas morning, did she really understand the pain and the agony that he would go through? And not only that he would go through, but that she would have to witness as he went 
through that pain and suffering as she watched that little boy. You know, if there's one thing that most mothers do, I know Dr. Johnson has probably seen this a number of times as he delivered a baby and handed it to that mother. But I know that one of the first things that mothers do is look that baby over. Would that be a fair statement, Doc? They look that baby over. They want to make sure there's, you know, all the fingers are there. They want to make sure all the toes are there, the ears are there, that that baby is the perfect child. And you know what? I don't think Mary was any different. I think when she gave birth to Jesus, she done that same thing. She looked at those, those uh, you know, hands and those feet, and she wanted to make sure everything was there. But I wonder if Mary realized that those tiny hands that were curled around her finger, you know, that's... Even for us guys, I guess, you know, the little baby we got now when I'm holding her and, you know, she takes her fingers and just curls them around my finger. Doesn't that do something to you? I don't think it was no different, folks, in that first Christmas morn. I wonder if Mary, as Jesus had his tiny, you know, curled fingers around her hands, I wonder if she really understood that that hand, you know, is the hand that formed mankind. And that same hand is the same hand that 33 years later would have nails driven through them. Do you think Mary thought that? You know, did she know that those little feet... Those little feet, as she was looking at those little feet, did she know that just nine months before that they had walked on streets of gold in heaven prior to Jesus coming back? Did she know that those same feet would one day walk on water? Did she know that those same feet, as she was looking at those feet of her newborn child, did she know that those same feet would have nails driven in them one day? Did she know that that tiny voice that was crying in that cold, dark cave that night is the same voice that spoke the world into the existence? And did she know that same voice that she was hearing cry there in that cave was the same voice that would 33 years later cry out from the cross, it is finished. Because he had accomplished what he came here to do. What was she thinking as she laid there holding the gift of God to not only her and Joseph, but folks to me and you, to the entire world? What was Mary thinking as she held that newborn baby that night? I believe all mothers wonder from time to time what their babies are going to grow up to be. You know, what, what will their profession be? What will my son, what will my daughter do when they, you know, get a job? What will be their profession? I wonder what their family will be like. You know, what will they accomplish in life? On and on, you know, mothers sometimes wonder about their children. And I don't believe it was any different with Mary. As she received her visit from the angel Gabriel announcing the birth of her child, no doubt there, it must have been a troubling experience for this young girl. Most theologians will tell you that Mary was only somewhere between 14, 16 years old at the most. Some feel she was around 12 or 13 at this time because of the custom of women getting married or young ladies getting married during that culture. So let's take a look at the words spoken to Mary and just see how much Mary may have really understood about the significance of this child she was holding. 
First of all, let's take a look at her visit from the angel Gabriel in verse 28. And the angel Gabriel came unto her and said, Hell, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, as the angel Gabriel introduced himself to Mary, this must have been a troubling event for her also. You know, never in her life had she experienced anything like this before. Never in her life had she had a visit from an angelical being. You know, but, but as Gabriel began to speak to her, there were three points he made in this salutation that he gave to her. First of all, he said to her, you are highly favored. Now, many want to take the words of Gabriel and, and place Mary in a position to be worthy of worship. Folks, that is not what the angel Gabriel was suggesting here. He was not suggesting that Mary, you know, because she was going to carry the child of God, that she was worthy of worship. However, you know, no one is worthy of worship, folks, except for God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You may remember the book of the Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10. As John, as he's in heaven, what he sees, he begins to fall down and worship the angel that was showing him all this. And John's words, if you will remember, was this. And I fell at his feet to worship him, talking about the angel. And the angel said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren uh, that hath the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then the angel said, You worship God. Folks, God is the only one worthy of our worship. Nothing else, no one else, only God is worthy of our worship. So the angel was not suggesting here, Mary, you're so favored by God, you're worthy to be worshipped, as some believe. So it's in this conversation with Mary, Gabriel is simply expressing, uh, expressing here that there is something special, a particular favor upon her as being chosen and singled out by God, you know, from all other women of that day to be the one to carry Messiah, to be the one to deliver Messiah. There were many young ladies of whom God could have chose, folks, but he chose Mary who he highly favored among all the rest. Now, the next thing we see there is the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. Not only is this phrase a form of salutation, but it's also, as in this sense, speaks of love and favor of one bestowed upon another. Now, what we mean by that is the Lord was with her because she was one who was faithful. She is one who was committed to him in all of her ways. That's why she was favored of God. Folks, she was committed to God. She was faithful to God. And when we're faithful to God, when we're committed to God, folks, God has favor with us too. That's why she was favored by God, because of the life that she lived, her faithfulness to him, her commitment to him. The angel Gabriel was simply giving her the assurance of the love and favor that God had placed upon her. It is those who are faithful, it is those who are committed to God that he can and that he will use for special purposes in this world. Now listen, if one is not faithful, if one is not committed to God, they can never be used of God for a special purpose in this life. You want God to use you? 
You want God to use you in a special way? Then you be committed to God and you be faithful to God. But if you're not, God can't trust you to carry out the task that he has for you. Now, the next thing we see here is this. Blessed are thou among women, the angel said. Now, here's another confusing passage to, uh, to many. Gabriel is not suggesting here that she would be regarded as greater or more exalted than any other woman, therefore worthy of worship, as we said. Rather, that she was receiving a blessing from God by being the one chosen to bring forth his son. She would be carrying the blessing of God to all the world. Folks, that's what Jesus is. He's the blessing of God to you and me. He's the blessing of God to all the world. That's what Christmas is all about. God blessing the world through his son, Jesus Christ. So Mary was simply the object of divine grace as we are, and therefore not to be prayed to, not to be looked at as a fountain of grace. You know, what she received is what we all receive, the grace and the blessing of God upon her life. You know, this whole verse seems to be the only salutation, you know, and, and there is nothing to infer, you know, that Mary should be exalted in any way because she was chosen by God to carry out his plan and his purpose for mankind. Now, let's look at the second thing, the purpose of Mary to the news of her conception, the response, I mean, of Mary to the, the news. Verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Again, even Mary understood this was a simple salutation, not anything to do with her receiving any special recognition as greater than any other. No doubt this would be a very troubling experience for a 20 or 30-year-old woman. But can you imagine, can you imagine God come, or the angel Gabriel coming to a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and telling her, you're, gonna, you're a virgin, but yet you're going to conceive. And not only that, when you have the child, you'll still be a virgin. Can you imagine how confusing that was to a 12 or 13-year-old? I mean, a 20 or 30-year-old couldn't have handled a message like that. They would have said, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, how can this be? Now, let's look at three observations from Mary's response. First of all, this was not a dream, as some suggest. Mary was not just having a dream here because she ate too much pizza the night before, okay? Had nothing to do with it. Look, we know that it was not a dream because we're told specifically when she saw him, when she saw him, I believe that Mary knew without a doubt that her visit from the angel Gabriel was real and that the message he brought to her was fulfilling prophecy. I believe she understood that much of it, that the message he was bringing was fulfilling prophecy because I believe she was familiar with prophecy because she was committed to God all her life, even though she only may have been 12, 13, or 14 year old. She understood Bible prophecy because it had been taught to her all her life. So I believe she understood this. I believe that Mary, being a, Jew, a young Jewish girl and a God-fearing girl, would likely have known the Scripture 
in the Old Testament that we know. For instance, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I believe she knew this scripture. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. So I think as the angel Gabriel was giving her this salutation and told her, you are the one that God has chosen, I believe it's a possibility this verse come to her. Well, wait a minute. Pro Isaiah did say that a virgin is going to conceive and that this virgin is going to bear a son and that I shall call his name Emmanuel. I believe this verse may have just come to her mind. Could I be the one that Isaiah was speaking of? I believe another verse that maybe have come to her mind here is Isaiah 9 and 6 where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now that's prophecy of about the millennial reign. In this passage of Scripture, it's great because we see, you know, a number of prophecies fulfilled. But unto us a child is born. In other words, that's the birth of Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's prophecy concerning how Jesus will be in control of this world during the millennial reign. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I believe maybe this scripture began to run through the mind of Mary as the angel Gabriel was speaking. For one familiar with this prophecy, it wouldn't take long to put two and two together and realize that the message of Gabriel was bringing to her, that he was bringing to her was prophecy that was in God's word by the prophet Isaiah. I think she realized at this point she would be part of prophecy being fulfilled, not because she was anything special, but because, again, that she had been faithful and committed to God all her life. Again, you want to be used of God? You be faithful. You be committed to him. And God will use you in this world today. The next thing here is the message was troubling to her. Even though she knew this prophecy, that a virgin was going to conceive, and that a virgin would bear a son, and that they would call him Emmanuel, God with us, it was still troubling. You see, even though she knew the Scripture, she needed to know that this word was meant for her personally. Now enter the angel Gabriel. From Gabriel, she got a pretty specific word which reiterated some of the things that she knew about the prophet Isaiah. You know, though it was troubling, she accepted the will of God in her life. You know, the will of God in our life sometimes... It's hard to accept. But the question is, are we going to accept it? Look, here she was. One possibly every Jewish girl may have hoped to be. The one who was privileged to bear the very Son of God. There were probably many things that was troubling her as the angel Gabriel visited. One thing may have been, well, I'm a virgin. How can this be? Now, wait a minute, Gabriel. I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. I have to remain a virgin, you know, because Joseph has done ask me to marry him. I'm in my engagement period with him. How am I going to do that? We can't have sex until we're married. By the way, that's, that's not an Old Testament thing. That's a New Testament thing, and 
is still in effect today. Just thought I'd throw that out there. We won't pass the plate after a while twice for that word. But how is this going to be? Me being a virgin. I'm not married. What is Joseph going to do when he finds out that I'm with child? Will he still marry me or will he put me away? Will he cast me out? Don't you imagine those thoughts went through her mind? Because back in those days, she could have just been put out on the street by Joseph. Because when he bartered for her, he bartered for a virgin. And with her being pregnant, he could have just cast her out to be an outcast all her life. Don't you imagine this went through her mind? Will he still marry me? Will he put me away? And here, here's one that I don't know if it went through her mind or not. We don't know what went through her mind. But it's possible God, what if I miscarry and lose this chosen one? You know, one of our daughters, is, has she, uh, she has two miscarriages. Mom? Yeah. We just won. And possibly some of you here have had a miscarriage. You think that may have went through her mind? My gosh, what if I miscarry and I lose the very Son of God? There's no telling all the things that troubled this young lady at this time in her life. And it's a good thing, it's a real good thing, that abortion wasn't even thought of at this time. Or it's a possibility the very Son of God could have been murdered in the womb of Mary. Third thing here. She didn't ask why. Rather, she asked how. She didn't question God why, rather how. Let's take a look at this. Look at verse 34, 35, and 38. Then Mary said unto him, How shall this be, seeing I, have not, uh, I, have, I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, All right, Mary, here's how it's going to go down. Here's how you're still going to remain a virgin, yet you're going to be impregnated with the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And then in verse 38, Mary said, hey, that's all the explanation I need. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. You know what she was saying there? If it's all about the Holy Spirit, then behold, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Behold your handmaiden. And then her words were, Be it unto me according to your word. Folks, when God comes at us with a difficult task, we should never ask why. It doesn't hurt to ask how is this is going to be. But if the answer from the God is simply trust the Holy Spirit, then that should be the end of it. Our next words should be, Behold your servant you know in this life we live and in this world it seems we're always wanting an explanation folks god does not owe us an explanation as to why he doesn't owe us that when god calls us what is our response what is our response you know, here was this young girl, again, 12, 14 years old. 
in dialogue with one of the most mightiest of all angels, maybe second only to the angel Michael, bringing her the news that all young Jewish girls of that day, she had been handpicked by God to fulfill prophecy concerning the long-awaited Messiah. And she would do so in a way that no one else would understand. Can you imagine as uh, Mary began to belly up, I guess that's a proper term, isn't it? As Mary began to belly up and, uh, you know, people said, now, wait a minute. You know, because here's the way people are. They go to counting times. Wait a minute. Her and Joseph wasn't married, you know, at this time. And now she's starting to get a little big around the waist, you know. And, and ain't that what other people are? We still even do that today, if we'll be honest, you know. And that had to have bothered what are people going to say? Because people are going to know that I was pregnant prior to us being married. But you know what, folks? When we're willing to do the will of God, it doesn't matter what others think. It doesn't matter what others say. If God has called you to a specific task, don't worry about others. You do what God has called you to do. Your response should simply be, I am your servant. Be it unto me as your will. I don't care what others say. I don't care what others think. Is it any wonder that Jesus spoke about childlike faith being the best kind of faith because Mary was a child at this time? She didn't need explanation. She didn't need the approval of society to carry out God's will. You know, so many times adult wants, adults want to know all the details as to the will of God. And if those details don't make sense, or if those details don't go along with what they've already, you know, planned in their life around, rather than saying, I'm your servant, be it unto me, we make all kind of excuses to God why we can't carry out His will. And again, if anybody ever had a good uh, excuse to do that, it would have been Mary. I can't carry this out. Me and Joseph aren't married yet. Why is it churches have such a hard time finding people who will pick up the reins of ministry? Why is it churches, you know, have such a difficult time financially? Why is it people volunteer to do something and never carry it out? I believe it's because people are not willing to set aside their selfish ambitions of life, exercise faith in God, and even when they don't understand what God is, uh, uh, is saying to them, that they would be willing to say, I'm your servant, be it unto me. As Mary accepted God's will for her life, did she know that her baby boy was the Lord of all creation? As Mary accepted the will of God for her life, did she know that her baby boy would one day rule the nations? As Mary accepted the will of God, did she know that her baby boy would save our sons and daughters? We don't know. We don't know. But it's a possibility because of her faithfulness to God that she was one who was always in his word and she knew prophecy. Did she know all the facts or did she just have enough faith to trust God and know that if it was his will 
that all things would work together for the good. Did she know? You know, chances are there's some of you here this morning or some who are watching us on Facebook this morning that are going through some things in your life and you're, you're wrestling with some of those things that just don't make sense. I, I don't understand this, God. Why am I going through this? Why, why is these things happening to me? God, I don't understand. God, why me? God, show me the outcome before I commit myself to you. Don't we really want that sometimes? Well, God, if I do this, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know the outcome. Look, though God is not sending an angel to you this morning like he did Mary, folks, his Holy Spirit is here. His Holy Spirit is with you. His Holy Spirit is convicting you. His Holy Spirit is drawing you by faith just to trust Him. Trust Him with your finances. Trust Him with your marriage. Trust Him with your job. Trust Him with that wayward child that has broken your heart. Trust Him no matter how bizarre the situation may seem. And I will assure you that no matter what you're facing in life, no matter how bizarre, you know, it may seem, God will bring you through if you're faithful, if you're committed to him. It seemed bizarre to Mary. The only difference is she was willing by faith to trust God. And the question is, are you willing to say to God this morning, whatever it is you're going through, no matter how troubling it may seem, are you willing to say to him this morning, I am your servant? Be it unto me according to your will. Folks, there are some tough words to say sometimes when we're going through things in life. But if we'll trust him, he'll take us through. And I will assure you, we'll come out better on the other side. We may not be able to see no daylight right now today. But if we will just commit to him, if we will remain faithful to him, and let him take us through. Trust me on this one. And I say trust me. You can trust me because you can trust the word of God. And this is what the word of God teaches. You will come out better on the other side. You won't be able to see that now. You won't be able to understand it. Maybe the spirit of God has been convicting you of the sins in your life. And, and, and your need of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there's some here this morning that away. You're not saved, and you know the Lord's convicting you of that. And rather than giving in to him, you've been making all kind of excuses why you can't make that commitment at this time. Well, Lord, at this time, I, I just can't do that. And we make up all kind of excuses why we can't. Remember, one of the promises made to Mary concerning her child will be, your baby boy will save our sons and daughters. And this morning, he's wanting to save you. You know, in the book of Acts, Dr. Luke said these words to her. Jesus is the only one who can save people. No one else in this world is able to save us. What did the angel say? 
Jesus would save our sons and daughters. And folks, that promise is even true today. So if you're hearing this word this morning you, you, and you say, well, I'm not saved, can I tell you something? Stop wrestling with God. You're not going to win. You may think you're going to win, but you're not going to win in the end. And just confess to him, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want you as my Lord. I want you as my Savior. I'm tired of wrestling with your Holy Spirit over the sins in my life. I now commit myself to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. Why not just make that prayer to him this morning? Stop wrestling with him. Child of God, if uh, there's been some things in your life that you've been wrestling with, you've been worried about or whatever, stop it. Look at me. Stop it. Just give it to God. And just say to him, be it unto me, Lord Jesus. You may say, well, you don't know what I'm, <laughs> you're asking me to say, be it unto me. You don't know what I'm going through. No, but I know what I've been through in my life. And by just giving it to him and trusting him, he's brought me through. And I'm nothing special, trust me. If he'll bring me through it, he'll bring you through it. Just trust him. Let's pray.